WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Episode 27, we talk about Tarek's trip to Austin, the Gateway Station groundbreaking, Liverpool soccer match, tonight's council meeting, and someone on council might have gotten engaged. <laughs> this is fun to watch somebody else do it. It's episode 27, folks. Live, pre-recorded, R&D in the QC. Larkin, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hello, sir. We're, we are here now in this beautiful, luxurious recording studio because all our offices are turned upside down. And you know what? They your, put nice your chairs. Office, your office is turned upside down. My office is completely back to where it was. You have your stuff together. I do. I'm very organized. I am not. You're just still in boxes. True. So we're in the spacious confines of the basement CLT Gov Media Headquarters recording studio. So what uh, what have we been doing since our last episode? A lot of stuff. Uh, you left town. I did. I went to Austin, Texas, uh, where I got to participate in the RNC um, site selection committee and then the broader RNC meeting uh activities that were down there that was a a lot of fun to experience and we were awarded uh rnc 2020 by them as everyone probably knows and is aware from the news uh so that was a that was a an experience i won't forget and for the first time ever i got to see the city of austin although i didn't get much time i grabbed a scooter electric scooter and uh went up and down a few areas right before i left so i could say i at least saw a little bit of the town and it's pretty impressive. Austin is a lot of fun. And with the music stuff that we're trying to help support uh, in Charlotte, I think, makes for a good case study. So you have to find another excuse to get down there. It Indeed. is definitely one of the live music capitals of the world. Um, what were you doing? I was back here while y'all were in Austin. And uh, equally exciting, for me at least, was that we did the groundbreaking. Councilmember Phipps and I and a number of other state local dignitaries and um, staff members who've been involved in this over the course of what's been decades of work to get to this point. Uh, we did the groundbreaking for the Am, uh, well, it's it's going to be Amtrak along with a lot of other entities in the Gateway Station, which will be located uh, right near the corner of Graham and 4th Street uptown, kind of caddy corner from the baseball stadium, and will bring together uh, the services of Cats Gold Line Streetcar, Cats Bus, um, eventually, hopefully, Cat's uh, red line that will be rail to the Lake Norman area and Greyhound and Amtrak. Uh, it'll bring our Amtrak station back uptown, which I think, and connect it with a lot of other uh, transportation modes, which will hopefully make it far more accessible and convenient for people uh, coming in and out of Charlotte on Amtrak. So I think that's going to be a transformative project that's not only about transit, but about mixed use and economic development in that part of our center city. So uh, I've joked uh, with you in the past that you frequently get invited to these groundbreakings because 
they're actually looking for a couple hours of actual work in in the breaking of the ground. It's it's like a shift. Yes, more so, than a ceremony. So actually, in this one, we drove a spike. I uh, saw. This is where I was oh, going. Did you I see saw the video. I saw like a blurb of the video where everyone's kind of like I'm hammering going to town on spikes. On it, man. Well, uh, that was my question. I couldn't see everything, but. Uh, at a quick glance, I won. I won. it looked like there was a lot of people who maybe haven't had a background or any in experience. Yeah, I killed them. In, in like, so, you, so you crushed it? Yeah, well, so I didn't know it was a competition until I don't even know who it was. Some reporter yelled, like, it's, it's between Eggleston and Lewis. I think it was me and John Lewis that were kind of coming down to the wire uh, to have our spike driven all the way into the beam first. And so then I really sped up. I was I had a good sweat going by the time yeah, I was this, done. This does not sound safe to but me. But it, it, it wasn't. You ever played Hammerschlagen? No. You never even heard of Hammerschlagen? I've not. It's well, like of course, it's game. something that would probably be construed as pop culture today, in some form. So you, it's all a I game. know is my spike was in the uh, or Hammerschlagen's my, my railroad tie was in the in the beam first, and ha- uh, so if they need some help out there, you will like I, this. I can do like one at a time. For our uh, listeners out there, if you don't know what Hammerschlagen is, look it up. It's a game. Primarily played in uh, in like German beer halls and stuff like that, but I, I think I might be getting that wrong. But uh, it's a great story. You think I'm doing really good. It's a huge tree stump cut in half with these old fashioned nails and like the spiked hammer, and you go around and everybody each takes one turn hitting their nail, and whoever gets their nail in first wins. Hammerschlagen. But I digress. Does it involve beer? Yeah, I mean, you got to be drinking the whole time. The only problem with driving my spike all the way into the beam was I couldn't get it back out to keep it. All right, that sounds weird. Now, listen, um, here's another thing before we move forward. So you and I got to quickly glimpse at uh, an article that came out today in Charlotte Magazine, long time in the making. Um, we, we, we sat for multiple interviews, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, were you were you aware including that the, including the writer being embedded in the podcast yeah studio in the night. podcast studio for a whole episode were you aware they could they could curse <laughs> in Charlotte, Charlotte Magazine, Magazine no I did not like know several times I did not know That's that a, was, I mean it's impressive not, not but I did, not, I did not know that they uh, that they printed curse words in Charlotte Magazine so uh, apologies in advance to Charlotte Magazine subscribers <laughs> who might be offended by the colorful language that Tarek and I use at 11 p.m. when we're recording the podcast and don't know we're on the record. Um, yeah, that was just kind of But back. you curse like a sailor. But I feel like everyone now sees what a cursing, just disgusting person you are. I feel like people in District 6 might be madder than people in District 1. You about know, you are totally use, correct use about colorful that, language. Man. So yeah, yeah. we'll see how that plays for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm less worried. But um, no, it was a great article by our friend Greg LaCour and um, – Charlotte Magazine is a great publication, so we will look forward to you seeing that and then commenting on uh, us needing to wash our mouths out with soap. Yes, yes, um, potty language. Also, on Sunday, I didn't get to go, although I did join the Charlotte Independence at a little event. Ooh, a little yeah. event they had at their um, office headquarters in uh, Elizabeth. They had Ian Rush, the all-time leading goal scorer for Liverpool. Liverpool was playing um, a, a German club whose name has just now escaped me, and I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but there were 55,000 or so folks at Bank of America Stadium on Sunday mm. to see this match. And, um, you know, I think it bodes really well for the soccer culture that we have in our community, particularly given the, the number of international folks that live in Charlotte. Um, the German club I was looking for is Dortmund. Um, 
so I, I think it bodes really well for once we get the independence move. We've talked on this podcast about uh, the work that's being done at Memorial Stadium in partnership between the county and the city. Uh, and I, I just think it's going to be a huge success for the independence. They're already doing well uh, in their home out at the Matthews Sportsplex. But uh, bringing them into or, or near to the center city, I think, is going to be a huge opportunity for them and we've demonstrated over and over through some of these international matches that there is a really great appetite for soccer in this community and I think that's just going to continue to grow and we've heard from our new uh, only through the media we still haven't talked to him about it but uh, through our new Panthers owner that he's got some interest in MLS down the road uh, and maybe uh, a co-location there with the Panthers in the Bank of America Stadium so I think a lot of opportunities for soccer and this again was just another demonstration of the appetite that exists for that in our city. Yeah, it, it's it looked really exciting. I wish I could have made. How many touchdowns were scored? Uh, four touchdowns. Four. You know, people people say that uh, like a two one soccer game is is slow and boring. But if you think about it, like football, I know you're just making a touchdown joke. A four, no one complains about a fourteen to seven football game, but that's essentially the same thing. You know, um, I got to be totally honest. I was uh, I I like had like a bit of like uh, you know let down after the world cup was over i i you get i got so wrapped up into all that that it was really fun to have like sporting events at like 2 p.m in the afternoon on a work day to sneak away and watch so uh i miss world cup soccer i, I wish we could well i wish maybe the united states had been in it at all yeah that makes it more exciting yeah 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 i think uh one of the benefits of having been awarded the world cup for what would that be 2026 maybe mm. that we're host co-hosting with canada have a little and Mexico. time to maybe field th- a team well but i think actually soccer fans can uh, can let us know if i'm wrong about this and i'm sure they will but i think the host country is kind of automatically in mm. or has at least some advantage towards getting in so we should maybe start a sports talk podcast so the the, the uh the british open man Italian dude. I know Tiger didn't win, but that's all I know. First Italian dude ever to win a, a golf major. Congrats, whatever your name is. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, I can't remember his yeah. name either. So this is why we're on the sports podcast. <laughs> Back to politics. Today's uh, Monday. Monday. And we had, uh, we finished our zoning meeting from last week. Mm-hmm. And Case we had of the a Mondays. business meeting with a lot on the agenda. It was a 103 page agenda that was put in front of us today. Um, where do you want to start? We had a, we also had an economic development meeting today. Well, let's start. Let's do let's M Night Shyamalan this thing where we uh, reference the end, but then we stop and not talk about it. Is that the Memento movie? Oh no, not at all. Wait, he he did did that M Night Shyamalan kind of do Memento? Right? Yeah. It's like flashbacks and stuff. I, mean, I, I, I tried. Are, I tried, man. This is impressive, but I think you might be wrong. But okay, it's impressive well, that tried. you just did something. Yes, the little. <laughs> With the with the Polaroid picture, yeah, so uh, anyway, it was an engaging end it to was. the meeting. But we digress. We'll go back to the beginning. Oh, that was we a just, teaser. That I was see. an M Night Shyamalan teaser. We'll tell you what that means later. Yes, um, and it's it's interesting. So we had a whole bunch of speakers that came and talked about their public view and their time to have their public forum comments on the affordable housing bond and you know um we've debated this one on this pod many a time in all kinds of meetings our our time is done really we've approved it in the budget it's going through this was the community's time to come and speak prior to the um you know the, the this going up 
to uh, the the referendum language and stuff that's going to be popped up on. But the thing I loved about tonight was you would have ex- I I would have expected the community to come out and just continue to kind of say let's you know let's keep going and let's approve the fifty million and we're in support and go. They all said that, but they also said, but you know what? We're looking at you guys to hold you accountable that you spend this money wisely. And several people called for um, a, a, a real true focus on under 30% AMI. Several people called for uh, an independent community-led uh, oversight committee of some sort to be able to read and weigh in and provide feedback on these things uh, as, as they come through. So I, I, was, I was very pleased that now it seems everyone's switching gears to all right, we've all done our part, uh, but let's not just go to a straight sales campaign to make the city approve this. Let's make sure that we have some process and control in place to make sure we're going to spend this money wisely down to every single dollar. Yeah, and we've been working on <clears throat> in the hand com- the Housing and Neighborhood Development Committee, uh, as well as the council at large, we've been working on a housing framework that will help kind of steer the ship in terms of how this money is deployed. But I think, and we oftentimes call for, for this on the podcast and, and we're out just in the public saying, don't just be against something before something. And in this case, I think not only are people for this bond, but they're also for having a plan, uh, a robust plan, which again, we're working on some on our end, but they also came with very specific, um, kind of specific ideas of their own. And I think that was, that demonstrates an intimate knowledge and understanding and involvement in the the process and in the um, and in the challenge that we face. And so, you know, this was, and you could tell that this was well coordinated. We had a dozen, maybe ten or twelve people that spoke, and they all kind of hit different points. And I think that it was um, it was very well organized, very well coordinated, and clearly, and a lot of these were folks that we all know because they're they're community leaders in other regards beyond just housing, but. Um, very clearly people who didn't just roll out of bed today and decide they want to come talk about housing, but who have been involving themselves in this work and kind of diving into the data and diving into understanding the, the challenges and the possible solutions and came to us with some ideas on that front. So um, kudos to all the folks who did come out tonight and, and show that support. And there were plenty of others in the crowd that were holding up signs too. So it was, um, it was the kind of demonstration of, of support and, um, and accountability and, and that we want to see. So explain this to me. This, this wasn't directly part of the community public forum, but it was related to the affordable housing. How did I, why, why shouldn't I have been as confused as I was on uh, agenda item 16, the Chodos and explain, explain how all that went down and, and why I shouldn't have been as confused as I was on awarding $650,000 to these organizations in relation to affordable housing when I feel like I, I, I didn't even get to have a conversation about it. Uh, I think you must have missed the, and I'm looking for it, uh, Wednesday, June 13th, we had a housing and neighborhood development committee meeting. But even if I missed that, and I'm not on the committee, but I go to almost all of them, there are still a majority of council members who've never had that conversation. I talked to Braxton. I talked to Maddie Newts. I talked to a couple of people as I was trying to sort it out. Neither one of them had any idea what this was. 
Well, again, I mean, with part of the way that we structure our work is that things go through committee, whatever committee they are most uh, relevant to. And in this case, obviously, housing and neighborhood development, the money that you're talking about that we spent was uh, or that we allocated was for one project in um, the Greer Heights community, one in the Druid Hills community, uh, both of which will be affordable for purchase housing. And so it went through committee. It was sent out of committee as a recommendation to council unanimously. Right, but when it gets to... Vote. And, uh, and Matt Newton certainly knew about it because he voted to support it in the Housing and Neighborhood Development Committee meeting, as did council members Harlow, myself, Driggs, and Mayfield. Uh, it was unanimous out of that. Now, you know, it's been a month. There's been a lot on our plate in the month since then. And um, so maybe it wasn't top of mind for folks, but that's part of the process. And then tonight that presentation was made. Uh, it would have been made, but for the fact that we ran out of time during our dinner briefing, that's the opportunity for folks who aren't on the committee to ask questions. Uh, but again, it had five votes coming out of committee, really only needed one more. So I voted for it, but I was yeah, uncomfortable. Well, everybody, everybody did. Everyone did. I, I, I almost out of principle wanted to vote against, but I, I felt if, if the city manager hadn't spoken up and said what he said, I, I might have. But so let me ask. So, so you did this. So let me pose my question to you. How do I know? Even though I know for purchase is different than for rent, with with how, but when you look at affordable housing in general, right? Clearly, we know that thirty percent AMI and below is the crisis zone, and clearly we know that when we're looking at there or slightly above, our average for rent is somewhere between ten thousand dollars per unit for like an away home type program, all the way up to about thirty five thousand per unit for the the most expensive. 4% money, not the cheaper 9% money. So if you look yeah, at that you're, per unit. You're talking about rent, rent talking but, about rental units. Rent, but rental units or for purchase, we've done a ton of analysis on analysis on rental units. And I know that $35,000 per unit for rental is not that great of a deal. Uh, $25,000 to $20,000 is great. $10,000 is unheard of, but that's not exactly per unit cost. So my question is, 59000 on average for 11 units, so that's putting $650,000 to do that. Is that a good or bad deal for for purchase? And well, how do we know? Because we have nothing to benchmark it on. Well, there's a bunch of angles to look at it from. I, th I think, to your point, we could probably ask for and then dig into more data on understanding an average cost per unit for, for purchase. But completely apples and oranges. And we've discussed on this show the fact that We've got to have ways for people to step up through rental prices to the point where maybe they can afford to purchase a home and start to build equity and start to build wealth through home ownership, not just be renting um, in perpetuity. So that's got to be an option. And we also know that that's not, there's not really. Is 59000 a lot of money or a little money in accomplishing that? Well, I think in both of these neighborhoods, you also have to consider how quickly property values are rising. I mean, the Greer Heights community is nestled in between the Mint Museum in Eastover and the Elizabeth community. Um, so, I mean, it is, it's kind of getting squeezed and the property values there. People are just buying and tearing down and, and building McMansions or um, buying and just turning around, you know, maybe slapping a coat of paint on it and, and jacking the price up. Uh, the Druid Hills community is starting to see some of that as well with a lot of the things that we love that are going on through that North End corridor uh, with the North End Smart District, with Camp North End. Um, those are all good things, but they're driving property values up. So part of it, too, is we know that 
to put things in strategic areas is oftentimes going to cost more than to just be out looking for the lowest land cost. Um, but this is my point, man. Like, I feel like people jam things through. Like, l- let me make a, an example here to you, right? And I would have drilled into this offline, online, had I known this was a thing. And it's maybe it's my fault. Maybe I missed it. But if you think I'm going to make up a number, let's say that that, ca- that house and these 11 units for purchase, which I'm a huge supporter of this for, for purchase angle uh, and home ownership for, for uh, uh, affordable housing needs we have. But let's say that house costs $120,000 at the end. We subsidized half of it, half of it for this. Like, is that the right leverage? Is maybe 40000 per unit a good deal like i i we just don't know is the punchline there and i hate the fact that we we roll over this is what the community is is was telling us today not directly pointed at this but just in general transparency figuring it out using the dollars as best as they can be used and i just don't i don't feel confident that i got the questions i would have asked answered before voting for this because there was no chance so one thing on this and then more of a process point i'll make the manager touched on this and won't get into the weeds of it, but uh, these there's a certain type of deal that this kind of falls into where we have the opportunity to take advantage of leveraging our dollars um, with with outside dollars, and, and that's what's happening in both these instances where a, a far greater amount of outside dollars are being used towards these, and we are contributing a much smaller percentage. Uh, so kind of not – these aren't similar deals in the way that they're – administered per se but but in in as much as like the nine percent deals we say well hey we're going to get two or three of those a year and we're always going to approve them it's just kind of a foregone conclusion it a little bit of 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 a similar situation here where you say we've got a couple of these opportunities that are going to present themselves more more not even more often than not pretty much just all the time we're going to approve them because there's a, a small handful of them but um the larger point I'll make, and I made in our dinner briefing tonight, I think speaks to why it's hard for, well, it's easy for you or anybody else to miss stuff in the agenda. I mentioned we had a 103-page agenda. One of the things we didn't even get to tonight that they'll get to in August is talking about efficiency in government. And I made the point tonight that we really have to consider raising the threshold at which the manager has authority to authorize contracts. Because right now... I believe across the board, we're at $100,000. Anything that's more than $100,000, the city manager has to bring before the council to approve it. So for reference, you know, and it's it's hard to know what the right number is, but for reference, every other metropolitan area in North Carolina, Durham, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, uh, Chapel Hill, I think even High Point, Wilmington, they're all, I, I, there might be one or two at 250000 Most of them are at a half a million dollars. I want to say one might be at a million dollars, but for more or less, most of them are around half a million dollars that the manager is authorized to uh, sign off on contracts up to that point before they have to bring them before council. And so you'd say, well, you don't want to lose oversight. But what ends up happening is, in this case, tonight, the first two items on our consent agenda, one was to authorize the fire department to buy the foam that's put into some of the trucks uh, to put out certain kinds of fires. The second item was to authorize the purchase of boots and helmets that our firefighters need to um, outfit our incoming firefighters and also to just replace ones that have worn out due to wear and tear. Those are the kind of things that 
that's not what city council is supposed to be doing. Steel toe boots. We're not supposed I to mean, be that far in the weeds of approving things that are just flat out necessities for our fire department. And then they've done the research to say that, you know, for the things that fall between that 250 and 500,000 range over the course of the last year or two, only one of those has actually ever been voted down. And so only like four or five of them have ever been pulled for discussion. And then only one of them has ever been voted down. So it's, it's just an exercise in, in futility because they're ultimately all those kind of level of, of purchases and contracts are always going to get approved statistically. And yet when you have a 102 page agenda, it's hard to even find the stuff that's more important because when you're looking at things like uh, those, those contract approvals, it's easier to miss because there's just so much stuff there that, Hey, there's this housing thing that I might want to dig into a little deeper between the time we get our agenda, the prior week and the meeting on Monday. Um, and in that presentation you would have seen, okay, well, this went through hand committee. This was voted unanimously out of committee as a recommendation to council, but you just get bogged down because there's so much stuff. Most of which is, is, just not significant enough to be on our agenda in the first place. You know, uh, I, I don't disagree with you there. I, I think the thing that's bothered me, and I've been noticing it in a variety of ways with the whole consent agenda approach since we basically started, was that's supposed to be things that are already decided and agreed upon and approved in the last fiscal year's adopted budget, and they just fall over that $100,000 threshold. So in a perfect world where all that was done, I agree. Moving that up to 250000 probably makes a ton of sense. But I've been finding that like there's this vague way where they said, okay, well, there was this bucket of money that we approved in the budget for this. And we loosely said it was for this thing, but then they figured it out later on. I've seen very specific examples where that where that should have been new business. Even though there was bu- budget that was available in the fiscal year, it wasn't anything that anyone had budgeted and, um, and specifically, and they just kind of left these these buckets out there. So until we solve for that, you almost catch more of it with the hundred thousand when they're when they're jamming that stuff through than if you were hundred percent confident that all of those police or fire helmets and boots or whatever it is, uh, you know, we're, we're part of that plan and now we're just executing on that plan versus someone's changing the plan on the fly. But also we have to consider what are, what should be the priorities of our staff. And if our staff's having to compile a 103 page agenda, or 102 pages or whatever it was, that's time that staff is spending that could be spent on our more pressing issues and needs of the city. If, and each of those pages, I mean, anybody who's looked through our agenda each of those pages, it's not just like a one-liner that tells you what the thing is. I mean, it's really a breakdown of each individual ask and vote. And, uh, I mean, that, that stuff doesn't just get made in, in five minutes. So all of the staff resources that are being dedicated to making this painstakingly long agenda every week could be redeployed on tackling some of the issues that we all ran on. And none of us ran accusing the fire department of being wasteful with tax dollars on boots and helmets. I mean, the fact of the matter I is, thought I heard that in one of your stump speeches. That's definitely not. <laughs> so it's just, to me, it's, you know, if you could, if you had unlimited amounts of time and um, unlimited amounts of, of staff, then, you know, maybe you do dig into the weeds on every paperclip purchase. But I, I, I agree with don't, you. And you've got to prioritize and, and that is not our priority. Our priorities I, are housing and, and every and upper mobility and everything else we've talked about. Let's have staff working on that, not working on 
writing a detailed explanation of why the fire department needs boots and helmets. I agree. I agree. The only thing, the only asterisk I'll put next to that agreement is I still don't fully trust the process works at optimal levels. So I like the ability to try to glance and catch things. And I have caught things. And, and and I think the the stat you forgot to mention in there is sure the things don't get voted down but if they even smell that somebody has a concern they pull it out and they don't put it back in unless it's unless somebody gets a, a, something resolved and I've had a couple no I don't think that happens all that frequently either it does not as frequently as like uh, of of meaning but I've done it at least two or three times personally but anyway you're right process broken anything yeah. else before we get to uh the big announcement from the end of the meeting? The engagement announcement. I guess not. So <laughs> at the end of the meeting, we motion to close, second, everybody was packing up, and uh, one of our, our staff members came up and said, oh, everybody, back in your seat, back in your seat. And for half a second, I thought we were going to take like a team picture or something, but I, yeah, I was wasn't very sure confused. what was going on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, our colleague, uh, Dimple Ajmer's boyfriend, who we had already been acknowledged that he was in the crowd, cool. her cool. family was in the crowd. And he starts walking down the stairs, and all of a sudden, everybody kind of starts to put the pieces together. And he comes to the uh, lectern and plays some music on his phone, puts it up to the microphone, and then walks down to the dais and proposed to Dimple. And she said yes. So M. Night Shyamalan! Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that was a vague reference to the fact that you made a vague reference at the beginning. Earlier, I gotcha. yeah. I just M. Night shyamalan you. It's I, a double. I don't, I don't think that's a verb. Is that a triple-double? No. Um, so so congrats, that happened, yeah. Congrats to Dimple and to her now fiancé. I wasn't um, completely positive that wasn't like an extra rezoning that had been thrown on. We think that uh, we think that might be unprecedented. We think that might be the first engagement during a council meeting, uh, though historians will have to fact check We could that. go to the seventh floor clerk's office just, and check the archives. We could, yeah, we could have just done it. All uh, those I resources. Say, I thought you were going to say we could go to the clerk's office tonight and have just married them. We, another good point. Um, back to your earlier comment, all these extra resources, not doing this 103-page thing, that we could be deploying them to the clerk's office right now to figure out if this has happened before. Also probably not a good use of their time. But possible nonetheless. Indeed. Um, did, you, did you see anything funny over the last couple of days? Has anything funny happened? Braxton and I went out... Uh, to cops on the block in Plaza oh, Midwood yeah, and dunk tank. sat in the dunk tank and, and let people throw baseballs and, and dunk us and raise some money for Special Olympics. So that was fun um, and funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best part was that the adults were having way more trouble hitting the target uh, than the young folks were. And so I'd say 70% of the times Braxton and I got dunked in the dunk tank uh, were children under the age of 14. So that was fun. Awesome. A lot of our CMPD officers – uh, make wonderful police officers, but terrible pitchers. You know, one other thing I want to mention, and I want to encourage you, my friend, to think about this, is uh, so I have cold turkey gone away from all social media and media uh, as of end of day Friday to now. I've lasted. But if I do that too, two, then no days. one will ever hear this episode. That's true. <laughs> all right. Somebody, sta- somebody's got to stagger it. it. That's a good point. But I'm going to tell you. I probably had the most peaceful weekend of my entire adult life. Did you cut back on your blood pressure medicine this weekend? Yeah. I didn't even have to take it. I'm just kidding. I, I don't have it right now. I probably need it. Um, so just not having – I delete. I, I posted up there uh, on, on, on all the major, major uh, channels to say 
I'm um, I'm just taking a break and explained why. And then I deleted all the apps off my phone. You know, it's completely gone. So I'm not getting notifications. I don't know what's going on out there. And I kind of haven't tricked myself out of looking at my phone like every eight seconds still. uh, But there's nothing there. And I don't, it's a powerful tool. And I will be back because it's a powerful tool that I signed up to use. But man, it is just great not having you know, somebody arguing with me over why I'm doing something that like has nothing They're to do with anything. They're probably still arguing with you. You're just not arguing back I, right I now. I just don't know what's happening, which is, <laughs> it's, it's, Ignorance is bliss. Exactly, man. But it reminds me of a, a world, even your in age. In a world. In a world where social media doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. We lived in that world, but for the last almost we decade. Back in the Oregon Trail days. Day, exactly, man. That was our social media. You didn't media know anything until like the guy was like, you died of Poop died here, right? When you got to put your own name. Wow, that's a pop culture reference, dude. Good job. But I just, I highly recommend taking a little break uh, from social media to refresh and recharge, especially when it's nasty out there. Gives you time to practice fording rivers with your oxen. I'm going to be working on my axe throwing. At Lumberjacks in the Belmont community of District 1. Come on over. Come on over. I wish that was in my district, man. Yeah. I should I don't talk think to that him. would fly down there. Oh, it would fly. Well, the axes would fly. No pun intended. Mm. I think that's it. I think we did it, dude. Let's go home. All right. Any last words? Goodbye. And peace. Who it now?